If you want to listen to this episode or any of our episodes ad-free, you can do that now. Head on over to Patreon. Click on the ad-free level. You get all of our bonus shows that you've been hearing so much about. Plus, every single day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, you can listen to this episode or any of our other episodes at the same time, ad-free, over on Patreon. everyone. This is David. Welcome back behind the velvet rope. Let's just get right into it today because we are joined by the one, <laughs> the only, this man needs no introduction, Bo Dito. <laughs> you do it, David. Thanks for having me. And uh, I know that a lot of people watch your show, so I'm really excited about this. You know, sometimes I say the one and only and I really don't mean it, but today I actually mean it. Like we spoke on the phone the other day. I mean, thank you for doing this, first I'm of all. I'm glad you did your homework and you know, who Bo Dito really is. You know, a lot of people, they saw this thing that happened on the housewives. And, and then once you Google and find out really what I'm all about, you know, this is something that, first of all, my first part of my life growing up in Ozone Park, I grew up with John Gotti, Scopos, all the gangsters. I didn't go that way, but I have a respect factor with everybody who's in organized crime. But I became a cop. Then eventually I became a homicide detective. And then, uh, you know, before that, I actually worked as a labor, concrete laborer and a iron worker on the original World Trade Center. Then I became a cop in my police career. I was very lucky. I uh, was able to break some of the biggest cases, some of the cases with some really great detectives. One big, big case, probably the biggest one was my partner, Tom Collar and I on our own, 200 detectives working on it. Tommy and I broke it. We got one in New, uh, one in New York and one in Chicago. The rape of a nun in a convent in 1981 where they carved 27 crosses. Uh, May Ed Koch labeled it as the most heinous crime in, Amer in New York history. They kept it out of the newspaper from Saturday to Wednesday. Heavy duty. Wow. I knew all this, but that's what I think. That's why I wanted to talk to you. You know, I'm from the New York, Connecticut area. Yeah. So it's like, I feel like we do need to start with this. You're like doing my job for me, which I love. I wish every guest did yeah. that. Like we, we need to put some respect on your name here. Like, you know, yeah. you had, you know, you were hailed as one of like the best detectives ever in the New York. Well, you know, again, hard work. And I try to teach that to people. You get luck. A lot of luck comes into play, but hard work. Then all of a sudden you get the luck and I just passed five. 88th Avenue over here when I was coming here. And that's one of the areas when I was a detective decoy back in the early 70s. I used to wear a seersucker suit and I used to pose as a victim like I was stoned or drunk. I got mugged one night five times in that doorway. And when I just walked by it, it brought back memories. Also, I was hospitalized 30 times. I was stabbed. I was shot. I've hit on the head, fractured skull. I've had a really lustrous career, but the reality is I worked hard and I never thought I was going to ever retire. My last case was a case called the Palm Sunday Massacre. I was part of a great team of detectives and I was named as the arresting officer. Ten dead shot in the head. Eight of them were children under the age of 12 years old. I was a pretty 
pretty horrible sight. And I was there that day. I was off, but I used to call in, what's going on? Oh, we got two, three, four dead on Liberty. I said, I'll be right over there. And then my lieutenant there said, Dino, what are you doing here? I said, what am I doing here? All my homicides are cleared up. I want to get the person that did this. And I was very, very fortunate to be named as the arresting officer. And at that time, the largest mass murder in New York history. Wow. I mean, didn't you ever get scared? Because, right, you were mugged, you were shot at, stabbed. Like, you know, I mean, now you're Bo Deedle. It's way later in your career. But back then, I mean. I was, you know? back then, I was afraid of nothing. And I mean, I, I never killed anybody. I could have, I, I, I counted 15, even after a guy stabbed me. Right up here on 8th Avenue, stabbed me through my hand. He could see the scar. He was an escapee from Attica on a murder. And he wanted me, and my lieutenant's across the street saying, shoot him, Bo. And I go, hey, behind you. And he turned around. I grabbed him in the headlock that a cops can't do now. I used it hundreds of times. There's headlocks and there's chokeholds. And, you know, I really depended on my physical strength. Because when I was in high school, for four years, all I did was pull-ups, push-ups, sit-ups, squat thrusts, and run. We had a physical fitness team in the early 60s. We were number one in the nation, and I was number one in the uh, individual. When we went, when I went into the police academy, they used to put bets on me. I was doing 40 pull-ups, 180 push-ups. This morning, I just did 90 and 90 again, and I do a couple other things too, but I still got the strength in me, but you know what? I'm a little older now. Now I got to realize these young cats, I don't know if I can fight with them the way I used to. And uh, I still carry a gun, thank God. I'm able to have a license. And I I'm, I fear for everybody. I got my grandchildren, my children in this city. I'm scared for other people. I'm not scared of myself. I'm afraid of nobody. I'm really fearful for you and your families and people walking around this city. And that's been part of my life was helping people. And I continued for the last 38 years. I've been in the private investigating business. And when Nick Pelleggi put me on the cover of New York, the cover story in New York Magazine, that was the beginning of the end. And Rayo's Restaurant came out in the cover story. A lot of people don't realize Rayo's Restaurant, it was around since 1896, after Gail Green was up there, or me, me, Sheridan, one of them, they put it in the New York Times. My table is every Thursday night since 1977, Frank. I thought people like me, Jack Welch, some of the Redstone, everybody called me up. It was all about having dinner on rails with me. Then the movie people with Scorsese, with Danzel Washington, Leonardo DiCaprio, you name them, they've been, and I used to think they liked me. I think it was more so they could get, they can't get into rails. The best table is Bo's table on Thursday night. Well, you think of Reyes when you think of Bo Deedle. At least I do. Well, a lot of people thought I owned the place, and I, I wish I, I wish they let me invest in the sauce. That was sold for like 450 million bucks. Wow. Yeah. How come you left the police when you did? Well, you know, that's a great a story. So we end up locking up, and I was named these arresting us. I was over here in the Helmsley Palace, and I was when they they have triplexes there. Who was in the one room was Michael Jackson. I had a couple of Saudi Arabian princes that I was. I had a bodyguard company on the side. I traveled to Saudi Arabia around the world with them. What I used to do instead of taking overtime, I used to. Uh, go to Europe, meet them in Paris in the George Sang Hotel, the Prince de Galles. And then I was an arm wrestling champion, New York State arm wrestling champion. So I used to arm wrestle the other princes, big Lebanese bodyguards. I used to rip their arms out. So they, they I was like the clown. They, oh, call Bo Deedle. He'll, my guy will beat yours. So they used to look at me and I'm only, I was 5'8", probably 5'7 now. They used to look at me. They laugh at me. I said, you can laugh all you want. Good night. I ripped their arms out. And I used to come home with, couple hundred thousand dollars they used to give me and i didn't pay taxes on it the statute of limitations over but i spent it 
for the economy. I bought brand new cars. <laughs> Back then, $4,000 suits, the best of everything, crocodile shoes. Everybody thought I was on the take. I wasn't on the take. And then all of a sudden, I lock up this guy for killing the 10 people in a Palm Sunday massacre. I'm over there, and my friend Bill Bray was there. He was a, a security director for Michael Jackson. I said, Bill, you think I could get my Arab princes to meet Michael? Yeah, Bo, whatever you want. They met him. And then the princes go, Bo, we're so proud. We fly to La Jolla. So we got on a 727. We went down. We went to La Jolla, uh, to San Diego. We landed. And they all of a sudden, I'll never forget, they called Alex the Madam up. Now, she wasn't just a madam. They hired these actresses for parties. And they paid them 2500 And these were actresses, real beautiful-looking ladies. And they would get paid $2,500. It wasn't sex. It was to come to the party. Bring 20 of them in. I used to say to them, listen to me, you'll get your money. If you steal something, you're going to get your ass locked up. So I, I did that. And next thing is, I'm drinking my vodka. And the prince goes, boy, boy, you're, you're so famous. Did you ever jump out of a plane? I said, no. Now, they were in the military. Matter of fact, one of them became a major general, and he was one of the guys I think they just chopped his head off, but I'm just trying to cut to the point. So now, all of a sudden, the next day, we're in a plane. I had a football helmet. I didn't even know what the hell I'm doing. I didn't know how to land. I hit the ground. I broke my leg in half, the tibia, fibia, my ankle busted. So I'm laying in a hospital. The prince is there, and they have. I was in the hospital almost 30 days, and then I was another 30 days there. I come back to New York. The next thing is they tell me, they're not going to let me back on full duty. You're going to be working light duty. This is the game that's played when guys get tax-free pensions. <laughs> you sit for a year and you put your papers in. And I, God knows I had 30 injuries. I could have gotten them on any one of them. And then I says, I'm just... I'm out of here. I threw my papers and I lost millions of dollars on tax-free pension. And then Nick Pelleggi contacts me, the great Nick Pelleggi. And he wrote this great article in New York Magazine, feature article. The rest is history. Everybody wanted to be Bodhi Life. They were flying me to the Ballet Hotel with the pink swans and uh, meeting with De Niro, uh, with uh, Pacino, uh, Stallone. Everybody wanted to be Bodhi the one tough cop. Wrote the book. And then... 1986 comes along. My congressman dies in office. My brother, Alan Garrett's soul says, why don't you run for Congress? I said, I don't even know what the hell a congressman does. Next thing is, Lee Atwater calls me to Washington. I learn. I stay for two weeks. I, I met with Casper Weinberg, the, the uh, Strategic Defense Initiative, the Graham Rubgren Build a Balanced Budget. I was geared up. I knew what I was talking about. But the New York Times wouldn't even interview me. Bo was a great detective. He doesn't know what it's like to be a congressman. I called Max Frankel, the editor of the New York Times. I says, Mr. Frankel, with all due respect, nobody even asked to talk to me. He goes like this. He says, well, you want to come over for the editorial board at 2 o'clock? You're on. I got there. I opened my briefcase. I put a big tape recorder on. I hit it. I talked for two hours about being a decoy, about the crime problem, about the crack ep epidemic and all the, the corruption and everything, sweating, talking about me being a decoy, being stabbed where I was the victim so you wouldn't be the victim. Black on black crime, the lack of education for our students. All of a sudden, I leave there. They actually apologized to me in the New York Times, although we're not going to change our recommendation. And the next thing is I learned about politics. I learned that Al D'Amato turned against me because he was 
getting delivered the black vote from South Jamaica. And I learned the sliminess of politics. Out of all the things I wasted money on last year, and there were a lot, uncanceled subscriptions was so high on my list. You know, how, like if you join something or, you know, you have that subscription, you don't read the fine print that says, if you don't cancel this, it's going to automatically renew. Well, at the end of the year, I, my accountant did an analysis and I was wasting thousands of dollars on subscriptions that were automatically renewing without my knowledge. That's when my accountant told me about Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills all in one place. Now, I know everyone out there is nodding their head like, oh my God, because do you know that over 80% of people have subscriptions that they forget about? It's not just like you go on Netflix or Hulu and you know you watch like one show and then you don't use it for months and months. You guys wanted me to check out Denise Richards OnlyFans so we can talk about it here. Well, guess what? Miss Richards was getting my money for way too long. So why don't you stop throwing your money away, cancel unwanted subscriptions and manage your expenses the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash velvet rope. That's rocketmoney.com slash velvet rope. Rocketmoney.com slash velvet rope. Can you guys believe that it's basically July? Like, where is this summer going? I've been so busy and I've been on the move, and you guys know I don't cook, nor do I have time to cook. And that's why I turn to Factor. Factor is America's number one ready to eat meal kit that provides delicious, ready to eat meals delivered straight to your front door. It's that simple. I avoid the grocery store, I don't chop, I don't prepare, I don't clean up. All I have to do is heat and enjoy. These meals are ready in two minutes. I love that Factor has a menu that caters to all sorts of different lifestyles. Keto, calorie smart, they have protein plus, vegan and veggie. The calorie smart meals are the ones that I always choose. Also, now they've gone upscale, so you can have surf and turf at home. Let me just give you an example of what I had last night for dinner. Roasted garlic filet mignon and shrimp. Do you know how long it would take if you were to prepare that and how much it would cost? Head to factormeals.com slash velvet50 and use code VELVET50 to get 50% off your first box. That's code VELVET50 at factormeals.com slash VELVET50 to get 50% off your first box. And that's the first implementation of my getting involved with politics. Wow. What about the Hollywood of it all? You know, because right, your book, your autobiography was turned into a movie. And yeah. Then, you know, I mean, well, first, you, you know, when, when I first retired, I started doing Morton. They called me Mort Downey's show, Geraldo Rivera. Bo was like the, the guy. That's when my brother said, you know, you're so popular. You can run for Congress. And now when I'm running, it's just, it's strange. I lost by, I think, 2,500 votes being a congressman against the Reverend Floyd Flake. And then mysteriously, they threw another candidate. Uh, Brian McCabe from the Rockaways, all white, and he pulls 4,000 votes. And I saw him that night. I said, well, we tried. And his wife says, well, we didn't lose. The next day it was announced he was chief of staff for the guy that beat me for the Reverend Floyd Flake. So they pulled those votes. So I learned uh, Al D'Amato turned on me. I learned about the sliminess of politics. I hate politicians because they're a bunch of scumbags and they'll turn on you and put a knife in your gut in a second. But that went on. I started doing movies, Maniac Cop 1. I'm getting calls from everyone. And then the big thing was, uh, I think the real turn of my life was, oh, they first said they wanted to do the movie. So they hired some screenwriter that wrote 
Rawhide. What the hell does he know about Bo Deedle? So the screenplay sucked. So 10 years go by, and then Marty Bregman calls me, and he says, Bo, we got a script. So I read the script. I says, whoa, you got me killing 40 people. I never killed nobody. That's one tough guy, not killing people. And then he's got me bangitating my best friend's girlfriend. I said, that's not in my criteria here. I would never, ever look at a friend or another man's wife or girlfriend. There's so many beautiful women. Why would I, why would I expose that kind of integrity to my friends? So now the script sucked, but I, I went back and forth. Then I met Mark Wahlberg, cool cat. We started hanging out together. Six months we were together. We're working out. I said, Mark, you're a little skinny. This is after he did this, the commercial for the uh, underwear or whatever. I said, Mark, if you want people to believe that you're going to take these guys out, we're going to start pumping some iron. So I started working out with him. We went over to the peninsula. We played around together. I love Mark Wahlberg. To this, not to this day, up to about... 15 years ago, he thought I, I fired him because I was the executive producer. It was Martin Bregman because he wanted to make more money or some crap. He was perfect. So then they, Marty says to me, you got to pick one of these guys, Matt Dillon or uh, Stephen Baldwin. So who do I see at the Four Seasons? Is Stallone sitting there. Hey, Sly, how you doing? I said, I got a question. Hey, hey boy, I still want to be one tough guy. I said, you're too old for that. I said, who would you pick between Stephen Baldwin or Matt Dillon? He said, well, you know, Matt Dillon, he's like a brood that's been around a while. You know what I mean, Bo? And the other guy's like the virgin, Stephen Baldwin. Go with the virgin. That's when I told Marty I wanted uh, Stephen Baldwin. He did a good job. But again, the whole criteria of the movie, the real one tough cop is the guy that went through this career without killing anybody whose life was in jeopardy. All these, how about a guy shoots at you six feet away five times and misses you and throws the gun down and says, you got me, got you. Yeah, I got him right to the hospital. You know, if they had a video camera, they'd say, oh, Bo's brutal. But he just tried to kill me. And I, like people don't understand what these police officers go through. And today, I couldn't be a cop. <laughs> you couldn't. No, no. And then that all, that was that. We made the movie. It, it was, it was pretty good. I'll never forget Bruno Beretta, Beretta was the director from Brazil. He knew nothing about it. And I was executive producer with Marty. And I said to Bruno, I said, look, if this thing's in here, this is my life. And one, the first day of shooting, I kind of said, Bruno, we were filming in a wise guy club. I said, Bruno, and he screams at me. He goes, can't you see? I'm directing a film. I said, I'll put you through that friggin' window right now. I said, do you don't yell at me. He takes his head and he tells Marty, I quit. Marty's sitting in his chair, Marty Bregman, and he's laughing. I says, well, you filmed the movie. You did Scarface. You direct the movie. So I had to apologize. We made the movie. It was okay. It was okay. But how many people get a feature movie made about their lives? And if I didn't take that script, there would never have been a movie. Am I happy with the movie? No. But am I happy I did it? Yes. Well, yeah, most people don't have a movie made about their lives. Right. A major Hollywood production. Yeah, and I, I've been the feature article, every publication in the world. Some of the biggest cases we've broke. We took on the illegal drugs coming into America and on the internet, big pharma, multi-million dollar cases where I had Tom Brokaw, Nightly News, at my house there with the kids ordering Oxycontin. My seven-year-old daughter and my, my uh, five-year-old son was there, Bo, and my daughter. I said, why don't you order some drugs for Charlie the dog? Charlie the dog. And then a couple of nights later, the drugs come as beauty supplies we analyze the drugs road paint we do major investigations one of the, i mean cold cases triple murder in kentucky 
Three years old, we break the cases, case after case. The Carpenters Union in New York, I had a 100 armed guys take over the whole Carpenters, all the locals. I'm getting death threats up at Torreos. I go see some of my friends up there. I said, listen, this ain't a personal thing. This is business. If I don't do it, somebody else is doing it. And everything then calmed down. And we do all types of cases. The most important thing is I truly was very offended when uh, um, when I ran for mayor, and then all of a sudden, Fox News, Lachlan Murdoch, I call him a lucky sperm. And that's exactly what he is, because he's not a very good person, and he's no Rupert Murdoch. And he just, he did, he has done some pretty hard hit pieces on me, and I'm very upset about this. And I tell him, let's sit down with me. If you're a man, have your lawyers there. I'll tell you everything. Because I was accused during that whole thing with Roger Ailes of doing all kinds of stuff, even in those movies called Bo Deedle. That never happened. I never worked for Roger Ailes. I never worked except for being a contributor. I've never been to Black Ops. I've never been to his house. And if they wanted the truth, I said, sit me down. And I never surveilled, I never surveilled Rupert Murdoch's wife for Roger Ailes. Now that some the Redstone's dead, I told the truth. My company was hired to follow Lucy Dong, whatever her name was. This was Rupert Murdoch's wife. Yeah. For who do you think? Some the Redstone hired my company, but it was all about Roger Ailes, and they don't want to know the truth. Lachlan don't want to know the truth. Then he hit, put hit pieces. How about being in Venice, 2009, and I'm enjoying myself in Venice. Headlines of the New York Post, Bo Deedle one of 11 involved with murder and drug dealing. Then all of a sudden you read the last paragraph and it was about six sentences. And then this guy, Elite, the main witness against John Gotti Jr. And then it was this guy, Bo Dito. I've never met the guy before. It was 19, uh, it was two, uh, 1985, uh, 86. And it was at a car wash on Cross Bay Boulevard. I saw him giving, uh, 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 papers to Richard Gotti and get money back. First of all, Richard Gotti was like Fredo back then. I have no idea what he's talking about. But he said I was a New York detective. One little thing just shows you the New York Post how they don't even know what they're talking about. I retired February 14, 1985. I was in the Oval Office with Ronald Reagan in 1986. I was running for United States Congress. They don't want to know the truth. Then he did some other hit piece on me not too long ago. I attacked him right back. I mean, it's just funny that this Lachlan Murdoch is a little boy who is not his father. And if he's a man, and I'll look, where's the camera? Right, right which there. one? Right there. And if you're a man, you would call me up. I'll meet with you anywhere. I will give you the truth because like anything, I tell the truth. If I did something wrong, I'll tell you I did it and I was wrong. But nobody should just be able to use a, 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 a newspaper and for their own hit pieces against people. And all I did was protect people and I still protect people. And that's what I do for a living. That is what you do for a living. People have been putting your name in their mouth for quite a long time as we see where were you when you first heard about Louis Rellis? Oh, I know. I had gone out to dinner, and then I remember I got invited uh, with Margot to uh, uh, Margot was the, the gay a gal I was engaged to, and we got invited to a housewarming. Little I know, there were fifteen cameras over there. I walk in, and I said, I, I didn't know this was they were filming. So we were there, and then I, I like uh, I like Louis and Teresa, and I and uh, we'll be 
took a lie. We've been out to dinners many times. And, uh, you know, I really, I really like them. And then I really, I, I told Margo, I'm not playing this game anymore. You know, with all respect to the housewives of New Jersey, that ain't my shtick. And they even told Cohen, I said to Andy, I said, throw me on the show. I tell the truth. And again, I'll repeat it again. No one believes it. All these cast members, oh, both did it for free. For free? No, 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 no. I say it. I'll say it again, David. Louis never hired us. And I'm very specific how I say it because there's a reason. Louis never hired us to do any backgrounds on any of the cast members. I say it for a reason because if he hired me to do something else other than that, that's a confidential investigation. And that's why I always subdivided it and say specifically when I say it, never on cast members. I didn't say I never did any other investigation, which he has the right, and it's a confidential investigation, so I'm not at liberty to talk about it. Now, as far as anything else goes, when they're jumping ugly with me, these cast members, they don't know what they're talking about. Then I was in Avril with my friend Burke Capone and a couple, a couple of my guys, and next thing is, like, who's sitting next to me is uh, Melissa and some gal, and then next thing is, she goes, oh, that's the guy's following me, doing all the I said, Melissa... Let me tell you something. I'm telling you right to your face. That's not true. So if you want to live with this ghost of uh, of Saint, uh, whatever the hell it's called, you do that. I said, "Where's your husband?" Oh, he's having dinner nearby. I said, "Tell him to come over here." He sits down with me, and I said, "Let me let me tell you one time, okay? I never." ever was hired by Louie. I've never done any background on you, Joe. If you can't accept it, tough. Can I curse? Yeah. Tough shit. And that was the end of it. That was the last time I spoke to him. Then it went back and forth. I got pissed off at him. And I went at him I when saw. he says, I don't believe you. I said, now you don't call me a liar. Because if you call me a liar, you know what I'm going to do? I'll investigate you on my own. My own dime. And I'll find all your dirt. So let's not have a little battle here because you're going to lose. And that's not a threat. All I'm saying is, don't call me a liar. And I told him the truth. And you know what? He's a fine guy. He goes through his own stuff. He has a lot of problems with his own stuff. And you know what? I, here's what I said to him. I said to him that night, I'll never forget. I was going to say, Teresa's your sister, man. And I'm a very family-orientated guy. I said, this stuff has gone so far. This is your blood. You didn't go to wedding. I mean, that, that, to me, that affects me. I'm a grandfather, and I'm, I'm a father. And, you know, that that kind of stuff affects I thought I could be the peacemaker because that's what I like to do, bring everybody together. And what did Joe say and Melissa when you said that? No, it was like it was like. Well, I guess this is part of their 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 uh, their uh, the whole uh, appeal, the fighting and all that crap. But uh, you know, it doesn't appeal to me. What appeals to me is you know you you have a show. It's entertainment. I like watch, watching Below Deck. My big thing is I like the Discovery Channel and Net Geo. I, I for some reason I'm addicted. I I get home at I go home early, like at nine o'clock. I I turn that like on automatically. I mean. They're naked and afraid. I mean, I watch all these stupid things, the gold rushes. I mean, this is what, when you get to be my age, you don't want any kind of drama. You want like, you like to see stuff that's educational. A Below bit. Deck. That's a good one. Right. Which one? Below Deck. Yeah, that's, that's a good one. Well, I've been on a lot of private yachts. My very dear. You know what the good part about life is? Have friends with big boats. Let them own them and just yeah. be, be part of the, uh, be part of the guest list. I am okay with that. 
What? So why did Louis? So yes, I, I believe you. It seems like a lot of people don't, which we'll get into in a second. I know you do because I can tell by your eyes. And yeah. you know one thing. I just said a lot of things to you, and you could look. You could be a detective. I can interview anybody. I can look in their eyes to see if someone believes me or is telling me the truth. The fact is, if there was nothing for me to hide, if I did do it, where is the evidence? If I did all that, I'm sure Louis would have thrown it in their faces, but I never did it. And anybody that's listening or anybody who's online, just think about it. If I did it, why wouldn't Louis come out with it? Well, that's a good point. <laughs> so it, it does beg the question, why did Louis then say this? Because exactly what little lucky sperm, Luke and Murdoch, what's his first name? Lachlan Murdoch? Uh, Lachlan, Lachlan, yeah. They love to use my name. And you want to know something? I said, boy, they must be hard. I love the New York Post. And I still love the New York Post. But he did a hit piece on me not too long ago. And I went right at him. And I'm going to keep going at him. And I got some things in my mind that I'm going to go. Again, I want to make peace. I want to make peace with everybody. But he has to find. He's a billionaire's son. He's running a corporation. He's not doing too good there. They just got founded for a billion dollars with that voting machine company. There's another $2.5 billion lawsuit against uh, those, what's it called, News Corp. And then you want to know something? There might be something coming from me. I'm confirmed with some lawyers. You can't keep doing this. And he's the one that has taken it down. He never liked Roger Ailes. Roger Ailes made Fox News. Say what you want about Roger Ailes. And again, this episode is brought to you by IQ Bar. Now get 20% off every IQ Bar product plus free shipping when you text VELVET to 64000. You guys know I live a very active lifestyle. I'm constantly traveling back and forth from the Hamptons to New York City to LA, and I'm on planes and I'm on the run. And I need a good, healthy snack bar that I can take with me on the plane wherever I am, and it can fill me up and just get me through to the next meal. That's how I discovered IQ Bar. It's keto-free, paleo-free, vegan, gluten-free, and it's packed with protein and it's low sugar. But does any of that really matter if it tastes bad? Well, it tastes Great. It comes in seven different mouthwatering flavors. Peanut butter cup, that's my personal favorite, but banana nut, toasted chocolate chip, almond butter. But don't take my word for it. IQ Bar has over 10,000 five-star reviews. Now get 20% off IQ Bar products plus free shipping. To get your 20% off, just text VELVET to 64000. Get your discount. Text VELVET to 64000. That's VELVET to 64,000. Message and data rates may apply. See terms for details. We were hired with Fox News to by law firms to investigate because people have, if you got accused of having uh, sexual overtones with somebody and you're sued, you don't have a right for your defense or should you just give up and commit Harry Carey? You have a right to defense. So independent law firm from Fox hires my company. We investigate. We investigated the Gretchen Kelly thing. I mean, Gretchen Carlson, the Bill O'Reilly, four law firms. And my big thing is when we do an investigation, I tell everyone, you find out the truth. I don't want nothing made up. We don't bug phones. We don't tap phones. I wouldn't be in business 38 years. And I'm under the scrutiny of U.S. attorneys, district attorneys. And the reason why we're in business 38 years is the integrity of our company. And we do cases for corporations, major corporations. One of the ones that come to mind is Ford Motors. They had, they knocked off, they knocked off 
some software off of, off of another billion dollar software company. I think it's out of Texas. We sent undercovers. They duplicated the technology. We had to go all over the world to interview engineers and everything. And we were able to prove that they knocked off the ten technology. They said, no knock on Chinese days. We had a Chinese wall with the, with the engineers. Bullshit. They had a Chinese wall. There was holes in the wall. We proved it. They were founded for millions of dollars. These are things we do. We do major investigations. And our, my integrity is beyond anything. And people call up, oh, I want to tap my wife's phones. I want to, I said, you know what you just did? You just committed a felony. It's a felony to request or even conspire, conspire to tap phones and commit. I wouldn't be in business. And again, my biggest thing I have to sell is the integrity of Bo Deedle Associates. There's Bo Deedle. I'm the figurehead. Then there's my comedy. It's run by Mike Ruggiero, MBA, very, very smart guy. And we keep our integrity of that company on every one of our investigations, the highest. We do security everywhere. Uh, the Javits Center, uh, uh, South Street Seaport, beautiful place. All yeah. the events, UBS arenas, everything. we done security for the U.S., the GA, every Grammys, anything you can imagine. And we still are a company that's been around 38 years. If you hire a company, you should see if they have some, uh, have they been around for a while? And there ain't too many companies that have been around longer than me and handle some of the most sensitive cases that I can't even repeat on the show. It's headline cases. And who was behind it? If, if, uh, if I had Louie there, Louie would be yelling, Bodino, Bodino. But the point is, we're a private investigator. Confidentiality is the most important thing. Yes. And I mean, when you, so when someone signs a contract with you, like say that, I mean, I know Louis. Okay. So if Louis you. hired me, uh, signed a contract for me to do backgrounds on the cast members, right. he would be under that confidentiality. Right. So he would not be able to talk about that. Right. Otherwise he'd be in breach of my contract. Right. Like you don't want your people that. No, I mean, it's it, it, it's all about one thing. What's good for me is good for you. And if it's going to be a confidential investigation, you shouldn't have any right to talk about my investigation. Yes. I think then a lot of people are saying, because you said this, you know, that he, he didn't hire you to No, I did it for cast. free. Yeah, that's what I Right, agree. I think that's what people are, you know, because he said, I guess, and I'm not coming for Louie at all, but because <laughs> trust me, I got some issues with some other people. Look on at my cast. eyes, Dave. Look at my eyes. Oh, I'll I, repeat I it. I believe you. I'll repeat it. There's no reason for me to lie. If I did, to, first of all, if I did do something, I wouldn't tell you anyway because it's confidential. Right. But he would be in breach. I did not. And I could say, and all your listeners, and you could go online with it. Believe me, I didn't do it for free either. So that's that. I don't do anything for free when it comes right. to Right. Thank work, you, David. You're, you you're a professional and you understand what I say. For him, for me to do investigations on all those cast members, Lou would have to pay hundreds of thousands of dollars. Why would I do something for free in my business? Do you do this for free, David? I do not. And I've said that on this air many, many times that although I love my job and I love my listeners, the day that this is no longer putting money in my pocket, I am just going to go and vanish. David, I like you. Right? You're going to be my guest up in Rayos. Okay. Too. I mean, please, let's – I mean, all right. I am all about the Rayos. Well, you know, then on the couch, we have this woman, Margaret Josephs, on the couch, on the reunion. Oh. Not we do have someone in the room uh, in the, on the couch, but Margaret Joseph, yeah. that blonde, I think, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. she she kept saying to Louie, I don't believe you. I don't believe you. So, I mean, do you have anything to say to Margaret Joseph? No, I say it like I just said it to Margaret and everyone else. You have to believe what I say because there's no reason, no reason for me to make up a story 
Also, if I got stuff on you, Margaret, and everybody else, where is it? Why didn't Louie use it? Just think about that. So now, I am very specific. Never, ever was I hired, nor did I do it for free, investigations on any cast members from the Real Housewives of New Jersey. Let, let it go to bed. If people want to believe it, they could suck it up. Right. I mean, that doesn't get more clear than that. When you were in, I'm going to offer tonight, believe it or not. Which one? The, I like the one on Madison 61st. No, my my favorite like, is now the new one on uh, 50th and 6th. Really nice. And you and you got and you got my friends over the manager over there, and really nice over there. Great, beautiful. We'll my friend Mark uh, Mark Packer, I think, put 18 million dollars into that. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I don't like the other one. The Which one on Forty Eighth. No, that's like you know. It's it's different. <clears throat> different, but uh, I used to go to Sixty until I went to this one. Okay, maybe and we'll go to the other. They, one they do a nice job. Do they? Okay, maybe we'll go to that Orlando line. is the manager. Great guy. He just opened one up in North Miami. Yeah. Well, if I go in, I'm not going to use your name, Bob. Well, you maybe you could. I don't know. <laughs> when when you were in Avra and you sat next to Joe and Melissa, what or Melissa? No, they, I was Joe. sitting at my table. They came. He came oh, over to came me. Over. Yeah. And no, they, he came over. She was sitting on the next table. And what did they think? That this is just, about four months ago, three, four months ago. After that, the whole thing went down. Yeah. No, I had heard about this. Like, yeah. did they think you were there not just by coincidence that you were actually hired to be there? <laughs> no. I was with Bert Capone and another, another guy. But believe me, and they ain't investigators. Just leave it at that. They're Italian businessmen. You went out to eat. Yeah. You did have a moment of a rant against Joe Gorga recently. Did you, you like that? I loved it. Because I loved I, every minute of it. Because to be I very told the truth. And I, I'm going to be very honest with you. I told the truth. And I think this is more about me being with you, David, is to let the viewers know what we do. And that's why our company is really, really doing very well. Not because of the Housewives of New Jersey, because we have credibility. Again, you hire a private investigation firm. If it's around 38 years, you know they're pretty good going through all the crap that happens. And you know yourself, when you're investigating cases, some of them are very sensitive. And if you do something wrong, you wouldn't be in an investigation. Remember they had that fellow, Vincent Parco, Parco Private Eye, or yeah. he got locked up and all these people go to, and they're getting in trouble. You know, all I could say is that you try to, I have attorneys and also guys that are there who protect in the sense that everything we do is one million percent legal. Otherwise, we're not going to do it. And I tell my clients, you want to ask me to do it? Go hire somebody else. I'm not going to get you and me in trouble. I'll advise them right to their face. That's a good, it's like when you go to a doctor and you right. want something, you know, like, you want something done, like say plastic surgery, and they say no. I always say that that's a good doctor. They say no, keep your money. Yeah. It's the person you want to go to. Does anything shock you about like the human condition? Like you've seen it all, like, but you yeah. know, now, especially with what you do, you've lived a life. Like, does that, you know, when you investigate people, does anything like just shock you? No, nothing, nothing at all. And, you know, again, we've handled cases in the 
when I was a homicide detective in New York, plus in the private sector. But you know, on a, you know, some of the things that really are great things that happened. Eighty nine, have Martin Scorsese at my table at Rails with Nick Pelleggio wrote Goodfellas and Ellen Lewis, the biggest casting director, and have everybody Ray Liotta, my dear friend, who passed away. Have everybody over there, and then he sees the characters at the bar: Petey Neck, Johnny Roast Beef, Mikey Black, and he goes, "Can we come back next week?" And anybody wants to be in the movie, uh, Tony Lip that did the Green Book was there. We casted 16 people, including Frankie, and we casted him for Goodfellas. Then The Wolf of Wall Street. I mean, that was a great one. Uh, Leo, I love Leonardo DiCaprio. We became very good friends. He's been on socially up there with many times. Then when we did that, we were able to film it right in Rails. And, you know, the other guy that it's based on is a real creep. He now flies around with private jets. He robbed about $200 million, mostly from old Jewish people from the North Shore. He he did like the 15 months playing tennis. And then they they paid back $12 million. And I was like a finger up. I, I actually grabbed the United States attorney to prosecute him, happened to be up rails. I said, how did you let him go without going after and clawing that money back for the victims? Duh. Everybody does me. But if it was an Italian organized crime, they would take everything away, every dollar that they make for restitution. Why is Jordan Belfort able to go out there, fly around, make fun of people, give all these speeches of how great he is? He ain't great. He's a little common thief. He's a little punk. He's also a rat. He shouldn't be called the wolf of Wall Street. He's the rat of Wall Street. Did you know he wore a wire to all the guys, including my friend Steve? Yes. Who was his name? Steve Madden. He wore a wire. He put Steve Madden into the IPO. And then he wore a wire on every one of these people that were his people. I hate rats. Do you like rats? I do not like if rats. If you're part of, if we're, if we're gangsters and we're in an organized crime, say you're part of the family that I love. I love the Genovese family. Say you're part of the I Genovese. would love to be part of the Genovese okay, family. Okay, so all of a sudden now you're part of me and we're doing things, things. That I don't do, but they're things. Next we thing is you get caught. Next time you get caught, you've been you've been earning and all. You get caught, you become a rat. What do you feel about a rat? This ties into housewives too, because apparently, you know, a rat is the worst thing to be called. That's well, and, that's and to it. be right. Well, that's it. I mean, and, and in reality, you know what made. What made Louis go off like that is obviously, and he said it to me, you know, I was just, I, I, I couldn't take it. What was happening with Joe and, and he just, and he just blurted it out because he wanted him to back off and feel, oh, where you go? Oh, what does Bo have? Cause I tell you what, if I looked at you, David, I look at anybody, everybody's got skeletons in their closet. So by saying that he alarmed Joe and everybody else. Oh, crap. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. Maybe I didn't pay my taxes on this. Oh my God. What is Bo going to find? Don't worry about it there, cast members. I never did anything on you. So sleep well tonight. What's her name, that blonde? Margaret. Margaret, sleep well tonight. We didn't do anything. So all those, all that cash that you stuffed under your mattress, don't worry about it. But we ain't investigating you, okay? Well, the rumors are now, I'm just curious because, I mean, <laughs> a lot of these listeners were like, I'm just curious for you. This is your opinion. Like a lot of people say that Margaret, one of the things she does, and I'm just curious in general, you know, that she has these fake Finsta accounts. I have so no, she's, listen, I'm yes. be, David, I'd like to give you some information. Are you, I, know, I don't have well, a no, clue. No, not about Margaret, just in general about an investigator. Like, Oh, I mean, if I was hired to investigate yeah. her, 
Believe me, I'd find out everything about Margaret. I'd find out everything about anybody. But my point is, I get retained. It's a confidentiality retained. Any of us, we're licensed in all over the country. We do, we do work. All over around the world, we do work. I mean, with that big farmer investigation, it took us to a place called Kashmir, Pakistan. I don't even know where it was on a map, you know. And then when we had a kid, uh, a kid that was uh, uh, kidnapped to Istanbul, Turkey, I sent detectives in there, and we were able to get the kid out. You know, how I got him out. I bribed the chief of police of Istanbul, Turkey. I gave him three thousand dollars, but I brought the kid home, the seven-year-old. Denmark, I'll never wow. forget this one. A bank president comes to me and he says, my wife is from Denmark. She took my two-year-old son there and says, you'll never see him again. So I devised this whole plan and I'll never forget it. So I see where it is in, in Denmark. It's about 60 miles from the uh, German border. So now I said, what am I going to do? So I devised this whole plan. I bring Jimmy the Wags, Danny Cavallo. I bring a crew of people, a female uh, army ranger. And what I do is I go to the airport in Hamburg, Germany, and I go to this helicopter place. It looked like an old Nazi war crime criminal there. And I say, yeah, Hans, whatever the hell his name is. I says, we're going to do the uh, sound of music too. You know, the hills are alive. We want to do some photo things. I need a helicopter take me to this place i hold a whole what's that subterfuge what's the word subterfuge yeah that one too so we made this whole thing up and then we had the father with us so make a long story short i tell him to hit it i'm in the helicopter with, with a walkie-talkie now my guy jimmy the wig says how come you're not in hell how come you're not down here bo i said because the general don't get caught who the frig is gonna bail you out if you get caught Next thing is I see a car, a white car with a blue light for miles down. I'm an helicopter. And the next thing is I tell Jimmy, you got to get the father to get his kid out there. Don't you guys touch the kid. Let the father take him out. And I said, get it. Who comes to the door is the father with a shotgun, the grandfather, 70-year-old, 80-year-old man with a shotgun. Jimmy says he's got a shotgun on me. I said, Jimmy, you're six foot four. Take the damn gun away from him and let the father go up there and get his kid. I said, the cops are coming. We're, we're all going to get locked. So now they had to put bed sheets in the middle of the field the night before so I could see where I got to land. We land. We come back. We come back to Hamburg. We come home with the father, with the kid. Two weeks later, the wife comes back, and they get back together. But that could have got ugly. Oh when we were in Istanbul, Turkey, the cops told my guys, if you get caught taking this kid out, remember the Midnight Express? Yeah. If you get caught, you go to jail for seven years before you get charged. So, I mean, we got some risque stuff, some risque stuff. And you know what? We've been lucky. And the thing is that, again, if you believe in what you do and you do things, I, I hate to say legally because I'm sure there was a little bit gray area, but we got the children back to their family. And uh, did I bribe the head of uh, the Istanbul Police Department, the chief of detectives? Yes. $3,000 I gave him. And the woman, the mother got her son back, her seven-year-old son that was kidnapped there. And I did do that. And uh, wow. I guess I can't be charged. Statue of limitations is over. Yeah, I mean, people... The reason Louis put your name in his mouth is a scare tactic. Like, listen, I, I, I would be scared if someone hires you to come after me. Well, you know, we have very good results. I mean, the results that we get, uh, some of the results aren't, aren't, aren't positive. And I tell people when they hire me, I'm not guaranteeing anything. And we're not going to do anything that is illegal. Oh, why don't you just put a tap on the phone? I said, that's a felony, what you just said to me. I said, do me a favor. I don't want you to get locked up or me to get locked up. And don't say that to another investigator. Don't wear a wire and you'll get locked up for that. So please, let's, let's 
do the thing the way I certainly could put surveillances on, which are not illegal. They're not illegal at all. I mean, you can't, you can put legal surveillances on there. And that's what I do. I don't offer anything else. I don't offer to put bugs into corporations and all that. No. Right. And I was reading on your website, which I thought was so interesting is like counter counter well we do we do the sweeps you know for for your computers we also i also own a keystroke encryption software company we're about to blow up with it the fiserv is one of our big clients the defense department both gonna get rich again both gonna get rich again and then we you know then uh you know we might be doing something uh opening it up an office in the middle east we're doing a lot of things i'm very actively uh, actively involved and and uh, you know that's it and uh you're not slowing down anytime soon. No, 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 no. You have no interest in just picking no, up. No, I'd going like to, to go uh, down to. I like to go down to. Uh, you know, I worked three. I I got a great president, which is the heir apparent. Probably, if I had Mike Ruggiero in the beginning, uh, my company would be multi billions, which it should be, because these no name guys, they 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 knew the guy that had that company, and they gave him all the business. They knew the guy that had the big chain of the largest chain of stores, and they got no bids. When you get no big contracts, it's a lot easier. Me, I didn't. I didn't go and I, I wasn't that lucky. And I really probably from me retiring in 85 and doing this, my phone never rang. I mean, always, I mean, always rang and I never really put that middle management, which I should have. When you talk about business, I'm a real good, I wrote the book business lunchitation hit number five on the New York Times bestseller list about how a successful CEO. But one thing I missed in myself and I, I, I own up to it. I never really hired the good, smart, MBA middle management guys. I had these, the ex police commissioner, the ex chief of police, the ex head of the FBI. These are civil service mentality people that don't know business. When you're civil service mentality, you get your check whether you do something or not. And I was with the great, uh, the great police commissioner last night who's leaving, Keyshawn. The uh-huh. What an impressive, impressive lady that is. And I tell you what, if I was the mayor of New York, I'd have voted for her, and I would leave her in as police commissioner. You know what happened to me with that, right? Now. Education again. And it was all of a sudden, Ken Langone sat with me, Steve Cohen from SAC Capital, used to be SAC. Bo, if you're going to run for mayor, we'll raise you millions and millions of dollars as much as you need, but you have to run as a Democrat. I said, I don't care about Republican Democrats. I'm running because I love this city, my children, my grandchildren. I'm in this because I'm a fighter, and people this city need a real fighter who's not a corrupt fighter, and I don't need the money. So when I ran, I changed my party line, and then mysteriously... I've changed the Democrat and I checked Democrat and independent because I figured I'll go at the, I'll go against Big Bird de Blasio. I named him Big Bird because he's tall and stupid. And then I said, I'll run against them. And then what I'll do is have the independent line to fall back on. I'll make enough of noise in the primary to let people know about him stealing money from those guys from Brooklyn with the bribery. Bribery, uh, I look, uh, I look up bribery. It's a bribe a giver. And that's part of the conspiracy of a bribe. And then the bribe receiver. They got the guys that gave de Blasio the money, but they never got de Blasio. I don't understand. Then a billion and a half dollars with his wife, with the operation Thrive, all these things. So 
I went at it. Then all of a sudden, I hear the Board of Election calls me up. David Goodman from the New York Times called me up and says, Bo, you're not on any line. I said, what? So I call up the head of Board of Election. He goes like this. Well, you know, uh, Bo, we had a meeting and we felt as though you made a mistake. Although it's been done many times, we'll send you an affidavit, get it notarized, and we'll be put back on. Nope, didn't happen. Two months later go by, it's almost December, David Goodman calls me again from the New York Times. He said, Bo, you're not on. I call the Board of Election head, who was installed by Big Bird and the whole crew over there, Democrat crew. And he goes, well, we made a decision, Bo. You're not going to have any lying in this mayor race. I said, are you kidding? So then I have to sue. I give the lawyer 40000 He said, oh, I've handled these many times. Who shows up at my Supreme Court? Bill de Blasio's general counsel and another lawyer in my appellate court and my court of appeals. This this big bird punk had his lawyers there. So they let the judges know, take Bo out. So I wouldn't quit. I raised a million and a half. I put 300,000 of my own money in. I wouldn't quit. I ran with no line. Election day. I couldn't even find my name on, on the uh, on the mayor thing. I was put uh, under some Asian guy. I didn't even know what. How. Then there was a guy on there who got more votes than me that hijacked planes and stuff. So my point was. They didn't, they, he didn't want me, the Blasio, to run against. Malatakis is a great Congress lady. She, he didn't fear. Me, he feared. Cause you could see it like it is. I went to Foley yeah. Square with handcuffs. I had news conference where I'm waving them. Come on, Bill. Cause as soon as I become mayor, I'm coming after you for all the money you and your wife stole. And you know, I'm a fighter. I fight for my clients the way I talk. And I really do. And it's just a shame he got reelected, and then he, and then he, uh, he, he got reelected. The first, the first time he was he was vulnerable. The second time when I ran against him, and uh, I think I got thirty two votes or something. No one even knew how to vote for me. I couldn't even. Find, I'm getting calls from people. Bo, I don't see your name on the ballots. It was horrible, and that was the reason why I ran. It took my heart and soul out of it. You know, gay pride. I danced for two miles with a pink jacket on, shirts, dancing with all the all the, the gay guys and lesbians. I really believe it. I flew to the Dominican Republic for the Dominican vote when that officer was murdered up in Washington Heights. Every aspect of everything, I wanted to be the people. And part of my thing was I should have stayed as a Republican. I could have called up my narcissist friend of 40 years, that idiot, Donald Trump, who I think is an idiot for what he does with his narcissism and his crap. And he should have been reelected, but his personality and his narcissism, people hate. And that's what made him lose. When he told me about my friend McCain, when he went public saying he was he was not a hero, damn you, Donald. He was in incarcerated seven years. You were a draft dodging punk, Donald. He went to jail and you call him not a hero? He's my hero. Hero. That's what turned me off about Donald Trump. But if I stayed as a Republican, then I could have went to Washington, could have shaked down a Republican National Committee. I would have did commercials. You know what my commercials would have been? I only was a serving to the black community and Hispanic community when I was a cop and detective. I picked up the bodies of 10 dead Palm Sunday Mexico. I picked up the bodies of these children, black children being gunned down. I know what I know. And I walked the walk. Matter of fact, my friend Al Sharpton, who I used to know him as the fat rat, now he's the skinny rat. Al Sharpton had me go before his convention. Jesse Jackson came on. I went on. They were all booing me. Next thing, Al got up there and said, I know ball 40 years. You let him talk. And then when I finished, I talked about being a decoy 
decoy. I actually went into black neighborhoods as a decoy when they said it was too dangerous to decoy in Harlem. I used to put theatrical makeup on my hands and my face to look like I was Hispanic. I guess today they'll call it racist. I don't know what they'll do today, but I actually got mugged and stabbed and shot at and everything here, hit on the head. And I was a servant of the black and Hispanic community. That's the commercials I would have ran if I had money behind me. And I ran, I should have stayed as the damn Republican. I, I'm not a Republican or a Democrat. Or I should have ran as an independent from the beginning and ran as that, got that money behind me. Tens of millions did commercials. And I think there's enough of people that know me and know my police career, what I did. And I really think I would have had a good shot against Bill de Blasio. But then you wouldn't have time to do all this other stuff, like, you know, run Deedle and Associates and uh, have your name mentioned on RHLNJ by your buddy Louie. And speaking of Louie, I do have another question. That's right, guys. We're going to get back on track and we are going to talk more about RHLNJ and the Gorgas and Marge and Andy Cohn. Let's not forget Andy Cohn inserted himself in this whole Bo Deedle fiasco. So part two is coming very soon. Hope you enjoyed part one. I find Bo just such an interesting man. But yes, we are steering this bus back on track. We are going to talk more about RHONJ and all of those people. We're going to get to Andy and Andy's comments recently on Bo and so much more. So stay tuned for part two of our chat with the one and only Bo Deedle coming soon. Thanks for listening to yet another episode of Behind the Velvet Rope. Because without you listeners, I would just be a crazy person with voices in my head. And if you like what you hear, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe on Apple Podcasts under Behind the Velvet Rope. And when you're done subscribing, feel free to leave a five-star write-up review. Because the write-up reviews actually count. We read each and every one of them. We post the best ones. And the reviews really help our shows keep going. And we really appreciate everything you guys say, especially the positive ones. And if you want to find us online, we're at Behind Velvet Rope on Instagram. We are at David Yontef on Instagram. We're Behind The Velvet Rope on Apple Podcasts. Or head on over to Patreon, because you know what? There are just some things we can't talk about here. So for our bonus episodes, go to Patreon and type in Behind the Velvet Rope. And if you still aren't sick of me and you want more David, go to Cameo and book me on Cameo. And you can ask me anything there. I'll answer whatever you want. And I have a bargain basement price of $10. Thank you, guys. See you soon.